What would you say to a woman who has a desire to be married, but it doesn't seem to be happening? I want women to know that their identity is not found in their marital status or lack thereof. Look to Christ, find your security there. Your sufficiency is going to be in Christ and not a man. I think it's important to use the time and the gifts and talents that God has given you to serve the Lord now, whether or not you have a marriage promised for you in the future. We're called to redeem the time. Hey, and welcome to Zero Compromise, helping you stand for truth in a world that falls for lies. I'm Patricia Angler, joined here at the Creation Museum by Jessica D. Ford, a.k.a. JJ. Hello. And Rocket Rob Webb. What's up, guys? And we have an exciting conversation today. So who are we talking to today, JJ? Well, we are talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to have a conversation about singleness, engagement, um, marriage, all from a biblical worldview. I recently got married, so... congratulations. Show off the ring. We got two rings, (laughs) though. So there you go. Yeah, so that's exciting, and we just want to have a conversation about what those things look like from a biblical worldview. And it feels kind of weird to say we're really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. Because <laughs> we really are. Yeah, but we are. Super relevant topic. And I think today, especially, like the church needs to really be focusing on equipping young people to model godly marriages and also godly singleness. That's just going to be more important as culture drifts further from God's word. So let's dive in. Yeah, so it's something we've been teasing a little bit in our previous episodes. So finally, this is the episode we're going to be breaking it down. We're going to be talking to JJ. Uh, so let's go ahead and start off a little bit about how that engagement story looked like with you and Nathaniel, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah details. <laughs> right. We want lots of details. Don't leave anything out. Well, I guess I'll start with how we met. So we met at church initially. So I, I had one of the, the very first prayer meeting I had ever gone to at our church. I saw Nathaniel. He was there. And so our pastor introduced us. And so I was I was thankful to be able to have met him at church. And then I actually, through a, a circumstance, left that church after, I don't know, six months or so and wasn't going there for a while. But Nathaniel and I kind of had a friendship through that. He um, invited me to play volleyball with him. So I'd go play volleyball a lot. He started inviting me to go hiking. So we were always hanging out in group situations with other people to have that accountability. So a friendship developed there over, I don't know, almost two years sort of thing. We knew each other for two years. And just kind of after volleyball one day, he uh, followed me out to my car and asked me if he could get to know me more and then asked for my dad's number. And I called my dad and asked him and and, uh, asked permission, which I was very thankful for, even as an adult. I'm 33, so I'm a little bit older for a um, young adult. And so I got married a little bit later, but I'm thankful still to be able to have honored my dad and Nathaniel led in that situation as well. So that's what the um, dating and like initial meeting kind of looked like. And for our engagement, we, well, we were, I don't know if you want to call it dating or whatever it is, but we were, you know, being intentional for the purpose of marriage. Like that was the objective. And Nathaniel set the tone for that initially, like right away, which I was very thankful for. I felt very secure, very stable in that. And he was leading in that way. So he made it very clear right away that that was the purpose, that was the intention. So I never had to question it. I never doubted his intentions. I never felt insecure about that. I knew the goal and objective in mind was marriage. And so that was very, very great. And I felt very thankful for that. Right. And he'd been keeping some, he'd (laughs) set the bar pretty high, hadn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. I mean, he, Nathaniel's just such a a wonderful man who, like in in church settings, um, when the women who are there, the pastor's wife specifically, she was asking me, um, well, when I told her about him, she was telling me, well, she's like, if you ever want to know anything, you know, he texts me. She's like, but I got to tell you, he's a man above reproach. And I Mm. continually heard that from people and from women in the church. And so that gave me another uh, just stability to know that Nathaniel was a man above reproach. And he did have the qualifications of being a godly man to lead. And his delight of God's word is really what won me over and his love of the Lord. And so I saw that in the way that he lived his life. So there wasn't any masking that. I never just, I never doubted that. So I knew that. So yeah, the standard was high because of the way he loved God's word for sure. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. 
Yep. Praise God. So, what did that look like? How did he pop the question to you? Yeah. Well, we, I, we, uh, it was only like four months in, and he invited me to go meet his family. And he's from Montana, so I went to Montana and met his family there. And he kept talking about how he wanted to see his sunset. And I, I assumed he was probably going to ask me on that trip. We were chatting before because Patricia and I were actually roommates before, so we were chatting about it. And um, she kind of was like, "He's going to ask you on the trip." And, <laughs> and so we. I I don't know. I kind of, uh, I expected it. Um, and then a lot of other, just just the people around us who were surrounding us were encouraging us and people at church just, and family members and friends just were like, oh yeah, you guys are getting married. So it just didn't seem like a question and at some point that it was going to happen. And so I figured on that trip, it probably would. I remember I even texted you. I said, if Nathaniel does not <laughs> ask you, we're going to have problems Yeah, with him and him and me. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you're like, you don't like it when Rob gets angry or something. No, you don't like, like it when I get angry. <laughs> you might ask you math questions. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was funny. Um, but yeah, I was on that trip and he took me to a place called Medicine Rocks, which is a little park setting. And he took me to a favorite rock that he liked to climb as a kid. And we watched the sunset and then um, he wanted to find like the perfect sunset so it was funny and then all, when we were hiking around he looks at me one time and he's like are you excited and I was like yes I'm excited but it made me suspicious I was like why are you asking me if I'm excited what's going on here but I figured he was going to ask me and so we watched the sunset for a little while and um, then he pulls out the ring and he says will you marry me and I said yes <laughs> so wow. that's how the engagement Praise happened God. yeah yeah. so uh, like JJ said we were roommates so I got to have a front row seat to this whole saga and I remember like we'd um, be commuting to work sometimes and we'd have just like basic chats and Jessica would say you know like um, going hiking with Nathaniel or that sort of thing and I was like hmm Nathaniel eh because he seemed to be coming up a fair bit so I, I remember praying specifically that if it was the Lord's will that Nathaniel would man up and ask you out and he did <laughs> Yes, and I think it was also really cool and kind of encouraging for uh, other young ladies that you're actually the first person that he had really seriously dated right? Yeah mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was thankful for that and I, I had been in other relations, relationships previously and had um, experienced things that were not good in relationships too. And so I'm thankful for the protection that I experienced with Nathaniel as well. So I'm I'm thankful for that as well. There you go. Wow, praise God. So in terms of um, now that you're married, you're newlywed, was it two weeks now? Three, three <laughs> yeah, weeks now? I'm an old married person old, practically. Old married person, so. <laughs> yeah, just over two weeks. In, in your experience, how has that transformed your view of marriage starting from that biblical foundation? I mean, we are answers in Genesis, so we go back right. to the Bible's foundation. So in terms of looking at that, has that view kind of shaped your reality and, and what does that look like? I would say it's amplified it. So marriage is to be a a reflection, an earthly representation and a reflection of Christ and the love that he has for his bride, the church. And you see that reflected in the marriage relationship that he has ordained between one man and one woman. Mm -hmm. And so we see that laid out in scripture. And um, God's word says that what let what God has joined together, let not man separate too. So we know it is a lifelong commitment and husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and is head of the church. And women are to honor and respect their husbands. And you see that laid out in God's word. And so I would say it's only amplified that for me now that I am married. Nice. Amen. Uh, something that I remember is almost exactly a year ago, we went to the pastor's conference and our audio was really bad that day. So unfortunately, we didn't get to air all of the episodes that recorded. But one that we recorded was by um, Sarah Malley Hancock, who comes and does some of our conferences. She talks about singleness and marriage and speaking uh, truth in your heart. And she was talking about her story, how she didn't get married until uh, later in life. And um, you were asking just some of some of 
her advice for singleness. So um, now (laughs) if people asked you the questions that you asked her a year ago, what would you say? I believe you asked her, what would you say to a woman who has a desire to be married, but it doesn't seem to be happening? Mm -hmm. And I don't remember exactly what she said, but what would you say now? Yeah, I remember that conversation. That was when I was completely single too. So I had no expectation for marriage at all. That was a year ago. So things can happen and change very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I would say that I, I want women to know that their identity is not found in their marital status so or lack thereof. So you, you don't find your identity in whether or not you are married. And it's a good godly desire to have. And if you're older, it's hard too if you do desire that and you're not married, but we're not promised that. And so I think it's important to use the time and the gifts and talents that God has given you to serve the Lord now, mm-hmm. whether or not you have a marriage promised for you in the future. We're called to redeem the time. Mm-hmm. So it's important that you're not less than, you're not less of a woman because you're not married either. And that's something that I think happens in a lot of churches. A lot of single people are treated as if they're women, especially if they're not, they're not complete. They're not whole if they're not married. And I think that's a dangerous place to um, have singles in and like to talk to them about that. So we, uh, we need to be able to work as a body of believers in the church and to encourage each other. And actually there's a scripture that I want to um, point to for that specifically. It's in um, first Corinthians. It is in uh, chapter 12 and it is verse one and on. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. So it's important to remember that within a church body, we all have different functions and that they're all important. And we need to remember that when we're talking to singles or when we're talking to married. We all need each other. And so you're not less of a woman. You're not less complete because you're not married or because you are single. And so it's important to remember that. Don't find your identity in your marital status. Look to Christ. Find your security there. Your sufficiency is going to be in Christ and not a man. Amen. Whether married or single, because I mean, we go through seasons of life. And even if you do get married, like you could end up single again, like the other person Mm -hmm. could die, whatever. You can't have your identity attached to something that can change. You have to have it in Jesus. He doesn't change. Amen. Yeah. No matter where you are, no matter where God places you, you're to glorify his name and do what he's commanded us to do. So I I love the way you phrase that. And also on the flip side, you think about a lot of the churches nowadays that are saying the opposite. They're saying, you know, you got to have all the right ducks in a row. You got to have the right college degree. You got to have the house. You got to have the car. And then you can start thinking about marriage. How do you respond to someone who has that maybe that objection? I would say don't wait for your life to start with marriage. You can use the things that God has blessed you with now to serve others, and you should be doing that. And usually a lack of something like a lack of marriage usually means a gain in other areas. So if you're not married, you usually have more time. You can use the time and other things that you have to serve others, and that's what you should be striving for. And so we are called to redeem the time. And so I would I would say to make sure that you're doing that, not waiting for your life to start for marriage. And you might not be promised marriage, but there can be things that you're doing now to prepare you for marriage if God mm-hmm. does have that in mind for you, especially as a woman. Like you could be, we're called to value the home and we're called to respect and honor our husband. So what does that look like? How can you do that as a single? Do you have brothers? Do you have friends that are men? How can you honor them? How can you honor the men that are in your church? So those are things that you could be thinking about now that could help prepare you for marriage. Yeah, right. That really reminds me actually of a verse probably Proverbs 31, 12, I believe, says she does him good and not evil 
all the days of her life. So that's talking about just a very godly woman. And don't you love that? Like all the days of her mm-hmm. life, that, that doesn't start when you're married. That starts when you're single. So how do you do that? Especially if you don't know if you are going to get married and who it's going to be. I think a huge part of that is just what you're saying is being faithful to what God has called you to do, walking with him, doing faithfully the next task that he's put in front of you, being the most uh, faithful single person of God that you can be. So then you'll be the most faithful married person of God you can be later. And then as you're walking with God and staying in his will, he will shape you through what he's calling you to do now to be the person that he's called you to be as a married person for that particular spouse later. Yeah, it's important if you're if you're in a relationship to guard your heart, because if you do have a marriage promised in your future, um, that man does not belong to you and you do not belong to him until you're actually married. So how what steps are you taking to emotionally guard yourself, to physically guard yourself? Like those are things that are important. You shouldn't have those emotional ties or those physical ties with somebody that's not your spouse. And if that has happened, I mean, you can repent of that. It is, it's sin before the Lord before you're married, but God and the, the fact that he sent his son Jesus to die for you it clears that sin. And so we need to remember that as well. So um, you shouldn't see yourself as less if if those things have occurred in your past. You can repent and turn from those and trust Christ and walk, walk with Christ through those situations as well. But it's important to just emotionally and physically guard your heart for the person that the Lord has in mind for you if he has marriage in mind for you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think one of the best advice I remember hearing at some talk when I was a teenager about that was for how do you know what those boundaries are? Mm-hmm. And what they were saying, which I thought was really wise, was just like what you're saying, you don't know if that person who you're dating now might end up being someone else's future spouse. Mm-hmm. So they basically said, just treat every other person as if, like just assume that they're, they are somebody's future spouse. Mm-hmm. So then don't do anything or think anything that you wouldn't want some other person thinking or doing with your future spouse. Yeah. And I would also encourage women, especially do not be unequally yoked. Mm -hmm. God's word says, do not be unequally yoked with uh, unbelievers. So if you are currently in a relationship where this person is not a believer, that is sin before the Lord. You are sinning and you're disobeying God. And so that's important to keep in mind too. And you shouldn't be doing that. We need to remember that we have to be equally yoked. There needs to be a fellow believer. You need to have that similarity in, in faith and foundation on Christ in order to establish that marriage covenant as well. So that's important to remember. And on that note, if there is maybe a young lady that's maybe listening and and is in that mode, what are some key qualities that a young lady should be looking in a man that's mm-hmm. that's looking uh, for marriage? I would say, what does he believe about God? What does he believe about God's word? Those are important things because he's called to be a spiritual leader of your home. And so how is he going to be leading you? Does he delight in God's word? Is he living that out? Is he applying it in his life? Is he obeying it? Not just when he's around people, but when he's alone too. Does he have accountability in his life? Those are all things that you should be looking for. And then also too, like how does he how does he treat other women? So I mean, he, you're going to be married to him for the rest of your life. So if he has sisters, how does he treat his sister? If he has a mom, how is he treating his mom? And those are important things to remember and to keep in mind. And those are all things that you could look for when you're trying to seek a spouse and look for a man. And on the flip side, if, if there's a young man watching, what should they look for in a good biblical-based woman? Yeah, I would say also, what does she believe about God and what does she believe yep. about God's word and how does she treat men? And is she going to respect and honor you as a man and then and follow your leadership and submit to your leadership? That's an important aspect for a woman. You're called to submit in marriage. So is this a man that you can submit to his authority and leadership in the home? And um, that's that's important to keep in mind to remember because you are to respect and honor your husband and if he's not um, submitted to the word of God, how are you going to submit to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, which is obviously very contrary to what the world says today, right? They always kind of elevate both of those roles to man and woman. There's really no difference. But biblically speaking, I mean, like you were saying, a man is called to be the leader, the provider, the protector of the home. And if he's doing a good job loving his wife, his wife should have no problem submitting yeah. to his leadership, being that uh, that servant, that carer, that uh, that nurturer, that you know, that um, being in the home, taking care of the family, and and and, and that's nothing to say that the woman is less important or less valuable. It's just different roles and different natures that God designed men and women to be. Right. Yeah. Submission is a dirty word. A lot of people don't like to use that, but it says as fitting in the Lord or as fit in the Lord. So what does that look like? Well, what did Jesus do? How did he model that? Well, he submitted to the authority of his father. So Christ is the model of that. And so we are all submitting to somebody in our life, to some authority. And so Christ is that ultimate standard and reflection and picture of what a marriage is. And it also says that we're to to submit to one another in, in a marriage out of reverence for Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to be submitting out of reverence for Christ. Mm-hmm. Complimenting each other. Now, mm-hmm. obviously that all sounds nice and peachy, but in reality, it doesn't always go that way, right? Yeah, so. right. <laughs> yeah so I mean, I'm I'm a newlywed, so I haven't yeah, maybe had a chance to much, live that out too much yet. But <laughs> Yeah, I've been married, man, what is it, 12 years now. So I do the math in my head real quick there. 2011 is when we got married, so it's 2023. Yep, 12 years there. So um, I've been married for 12 years, and I, I can say there's been ups and downs. A lot of roller coaster here and there. And one of the things I always say is marriage is like the fast track to sanctification. If you want to learn to be patient, you want to learn to uh, to be patient with another, all those fruits of the spirit, you're going to see it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, you know, self-control, all of that is involved with marriage. And you got to make sure you're always modeling yourself as Christ. And, and at the same time, like as a man personally, it's about laying down my life for for my wife, right? Giving up all of those other desires I have and focusing on my ministry at home. Something I say all the time is my home ministry is my full-time job, right? Being here is my part-time job, but mostly my most important part is leading my wife and leading my kids, raising my kids. And so that's something I say all the time to young men is that should be your number one priority. Yeah, I would also say too, it's important for women to know that ultimately that Christ is the standard. And so another person's relationship is not the standard. Your your marriage to your wife is not the standard. My relationship mm-hmm. with Nathaniel is not the standard. Christ models what it looks like to be a godly man too that women should look for. And I think a lot of women have this long list of ideals that they want in yep. a spouse. Yep. And those ideals and lists and standards should align with scripture. What does God's word say about what a man should be? So you can have certain things that you desire in a man, but they shouldn't be elevated to what the God says a man should look like. And also too, like I think some women say, well, like they need to have, for example, they need to have this this job, otherwise I'm not going to marry them. Well, if they're a godly man, then that's an that's an unbiblical standard that you're setting for that man too. Because like, mm-hmm. what if he loses his job? Are you placing that identity in his work and not in the godly man that he is and how he views God and His Word? So that's important to remember that's a good too. Point. Yeah. yeah, and then also speaking of perfect marriages here, maybe for someone that's listening that's maybe in that marriage situation, but they're married to an unbeliever, what would be your advice to them? I would say to prayer. So God's word talks about women being having a quiet and gentle spirit too. And so you can win your husband through prayer yep. and through pointing them to Christ. And so we're called to selflessly love, whether or not that other person deserves it or not. And so that's a very difficult, a very hard situation, but I would encourage that woman to pray for her husband mm-hmm. and to model Christ 
in that relationship still and to um, pray that 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 would be a testament and would win over her husband in that situation. That's what scripture tells us. And it does work. I mean, like um, Abby's grandparents, that was their situation where her grandma was a believer, but her grandpa was not. And then every week, week after week, her grandma would take the kids to go to church, you know, and just let them know, hey, Larry, we're going to church this week. We're going to church this week. And finally, one day he's like, all right, I'll tag along, go to church with you guys. And through that process of just being faithful, being obedient, just, um, you know, having that steadfastness, that endurance over time, God started working on on her grandpa's heart. And eventually he ended up giving his life to Christ. And so you just never know. I mean, it's just that faithful, you know, maybe it could take months, it could take years, but um, ultimately what you're commanded to do is just be faithful to the Lord and wait on his good promises. Yeah. Absolutely. I also want to mention too that Christ is ultimately that standard, but it's important to remember that you're marrying a fallible, finite human who is a sinner who needs Jesus just as much as you do. So he is not going to love you perfectly as Christ loves the church. That's important to remember and to keep in mind as well that he is a sinner. He will fail fail you. You're going to fail him. There's going to be that, um, those differences and those conflicts there. But if your foundation is on Christ, you can work through that together. Amen. There you go. Just so much about uh, the how to practically live out what godly marriage looks like and what godly singleness looks like, being faithful to the next thing God's called you to be. And I think it is very liberating as well when you remember who God is. I mean, He is all-knowing, sovereign, all-powerful. So I hear a lot of young uh, ladies that I talk to saying like there just aren't good guys around. And it's true, we don't see a lot of guys who are actually living out the truth of God's Word and standing on it as their authority. But like, you don't have to worry. You know God, your Father. If marriage is the best thing for you, then remember like your Father knows every single man alive right now. He made them all. You haven't watched them all grow up from little kids, but God has. So it's well within his power to put you together if that's what's right for you. If it's not what's right for you, it's not something you would want anyway. So just remember that so long as you're walking in the will of God, you're not missing out on anything that's right for you. In fact, if you were married when you're supposed to be single, you would be missing out on something that's right for you and missing out on really an unparalleled opportunity to get to know God and go on amazing adventures with God and uh, serve God in ways that you might not be able to do otherwise. Yeah, and I think women too can also encourage the men around them. So if you're in a church setting too, you can respect that those men in the church and encourage them to be strong, be courageous in the Lord and advocate for those qualities that they should have as a biblical man. And so that's a way that you can help strive to set that standard for men so that they are um, strong and courageous in the Lord. And if you're a parent, especially, make sure you're raising your children in the admonition and instruction of the Lord. Make sure that if you, like you were saying, there's not enough men out there. Parents, if you're raising a boy, make sure he's he's being properly trained to be able to lead his wife if he does end up going into marriage. As well as if you have a little girl you're raising, make sure that she's going to be faithful to the Lord so that she'll be able to have a good biblical marriage if that's what she's being called to. Absolutely. So do you have any final words of wisdom or resources that you would point youngins to? I do have some more um, words of advice, I guess, I would like to give in another scripture. So I I think a a lot of people talk about singleness as a gift, and some people believe it's to be a trial as well. And whether or not it's a gift or a trial, what are we supposed to do with those things? Well, I think God's Word tells us in 1 Thessalonians um, 16, it says, or what chapter is this? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse uh, verse 16. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mm -hmm. So whether you're single, whether you're married, you're to rejoice always and you're to uh, pray without ceasing, you're to give thanks in all things. So that's, um, we need to, we need to, that needs to be our trajectory. Christ needs to be our focus, whether you're single, whether you're married. 
Amen. Any good resources that you would point people to? We have a book here at the ministry called The War on Gender and Marriage. Is that what Mm -hmm. it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good resource here at the ministry. Gender and Marriage War. The Gender and Marriage War. Yeah. So, and then we have, I think we have a few articles on this topic. Maybe there's not as many. I I don't know if I can say these resources because the ministry doesn't sell them specifically, but um, some books that helped me are Elizabeth Elliott. A lot of her stuff has really helped me throughout the years. She has a book called Let Me Be a Woman that was very helpful for me. And there's another woman named Abigail Dodds and her book, book is called Atypical Woman, and those books are focused on biblical femininity and what that looks mm-hmm. like to um, strive to um, follow scripture and being a biblical woman and, and live that out. So those are resources that have helped me personally. Yeah, that's awesome. And on that note, I want to mention, we put on an amazing women's conference, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, women's conference, <clears throat> ladies. So <laughs> definitely, I think it's almost like pretty much sold out for next year already. But is, yep. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. But we do have live stream options, and you can go back. If you get answers.tv, you can go back and look at all our women's conferences in the past. And then you can get tons of great teaching for women specifically there as well. So you don't want to miss that resource either. So thank you so much for sharing today. That was fantastic advice. Um, And we hope that you put that in action. We hope that you're encouraged. We hope that you go and get to know God and walk with him into whatever is the next step he's called you to do and do it with faithfulness as unto him in community with others. Meanwhile, we pray that you keep standing on the truth of God's word with zero compromise. See you guys later. God bless.